everyone, and welcome to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's going on this week, Richard? Hey, Seth. Just recovering from uh, all the Oko mirrors. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How what about a- three-hour <laughs> matches, baby? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes, we we had a Mythic Championship this weekend. There were many Okos in food decks and long matches, but we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, we have another co-host in Krim. What's going on this week, Krim? Morning, Seth. Uh, this week it, uh, is, well, this whole, whatever, last week and whole weekend has been a, a wild ride. A uh, really, really wild Oko-filled <laughs> ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to kick things off with Mythic Championship 6, Mythic Championship Oko, whatever you want to call it. We're going to start off with Standard. Uh, that'll kind of transition us into some talk about bannings and how we handle ban announcements and London Mulligans, uh, because we have a BNR coming up a week from today. And then we have some other interesting news as well. Mystery Boosters, we finally have the mystery solved, at least to some extent, and know what the product is about. Some SCG tour news about Legacy. Maybe a bit of arena talk if we have time. And then, of course, answering your fish mail as well. So that's the plan for today. But let's kick things off with, I guess, the biggest topic this weekend. Make the Championship 6 probably better known as Mythic Championship Oko. 69% of the decks on day one playing Oko, up to 75% of the top eight. What did y'all think of this this tournament? It was the worst case scenario. <laughs> We're like, oh, maybe we're being dramatic and maybe it's fine. And they figured it out. Nope. The the innovation was, do you play black for Massacre Girl and Casualties of War? Do you put in a sacrifice theme? Do you throw like Cat Cauldron into your Oko deck? Or do you just go with the tried, true Simic Oko? Surprisingly, not too much Bant Oko. There was a bit of Bant Oko, but it, did, you know, it was okay. But, you know... You have Oko, you have Goose, you have Wolf, you have Nissa. What other stuff did you have in your trade binder that you could put together into a deck and then you show up at the Pro Tour and do very well with it? Yeah, I mean, what did you, what did you think, Grim? Uh, I actually, okay, I, I know that it was a very Oko-filled ride, but I did like some of the things, like seeing Sultai Cat get, uh, get done. I, th- I think that didn't look that bad. Like watching it play, yes, it was all Oko filled, uh, but I, I did think that there were some funny decks too. Like there was like the Grixis Amass deck that went O three, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know yeah. The tournament <laughs> went poorly when Wizard yeah. has to highlight O three drop decks because there's just <laughs> nothing else to talk about. Yeah, but that was a sweet deck. I also that looks like something I would I would try an arena or something because that was a super cool deck, even though it didn't do super well. Like I, I yeah, th- there was there's some cool things and it was a little unf- like uh, even after watching a whole weekend of Oko, I actually am not really that upset with Oko. All I knew is that I it just deepened my my dislike for like Nissa and like whatnot, but that's about it. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know this. I like diverse metagames personally, so for me, this was not one of my favorite pro tours just because. With 70% of the meta being like Oko decks, it's kind of unavoidable. Wizards did a good job of trying to focus on other decks as much as possible, but I think like Riley tweeted a stat that like 44, at least 44% of matches would be Oko mirrors throughout the weekend. So at some point, there's only so much you can do. And they ended up with the top eight, the non Oko decks, uh, the two of them dropped out early. So just all Oko mirrors. Although I will say like the finals matchup um, was actually pretty entertaining and just like very close and interesting magic so i wouldn't want to do it again uh, hopefully <laughs> ever but like there was some entertaining parts of the stream i thought yeah i think the highlight of constructed for me was the celestia adventure deck um you know watching kunio go innkeeper 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 and then cast some like random dork draw three cards and then just like snowball march of multitudes and then take all that stuff convoke it into a loxodon and like you know opponent's dead but that was like five minutes of highlight sandwiched by like nine hours of oko <laughs> like oh this was so long like this reminded me of like collected company days or something where you just have like these two decks that just go forever and <laughs> you think someone's dead but turns out they're not and the game goes like another 15 turns and so many draws uh you know this wasn't just like oh we think it's slow right like there were so many draws in the constructed rounds 
but uh, we all know this is not happening for much longer, right? Something's Hopefully. getting banned. I mean, I, I don't see how something can avoid banning. Because even if you dig, like, even if you throw out the metagame percentage and you look at the actual, like, matchup data, a lot of the decks that people were saying, like, oh, maybe this is the deck that beats uh, the food decks. Like, Teamer Reclamation was one that we heard because it did well at a couple, like, small tournaments and people were like, oh, maybe this is the deck. Nope, it actually loses to the food decks. And we heard that a little bit about Fire's decks. Maybe Fire's is the deck that's going to beat these food decks. Nope, it actually loses to the food decks. So, even the decks that people thought might be able to dethrone the Oko decks actually weren't. So, I think that is probably the final nail in the coffin as far as uh, any hopes for not having a BNR change. I think the question now for me is not is Oko getting banned, but do they ban cards on top of Oko? Like, I don't think they can avoid banning Oko at this point. Like, I would be absolutely amazed if Oko wasn't banned next uh, next week. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, so what, what, what's on the ban list? What, what do we What do we got? Nissa. I, I, mean, I nominate once upon a time. <laughs> I, I do agree. I think once, well, I don't know how bad is once upon a time in, in standard. It is quite powerful to have like, to, you know, find a turn two Oko and whatnot. And like once upon a time does give you that consistency. But I don't know. I, I, I actually think that what, like, so I, obviously I, I want Veil of Summer, uh, but like, <laughs> and, and, and I think that card is just like absurd regardless of, you know, what, deck choices i love what, what card uh, are we talking about veil of summer yeah and then of course yeah. i i also dislike nissa and I, I like of all of them i really just don't think oko is that bad but yeah like at least nissa should listen like nissa should go with it along with like veil of summer i feel nissa is not that bad if oko is gone like yeah <laughs> you tap out you make a three three blocker but if i hit you with something big you know it's over the problem is my something big is a 3-3 three, three elk, right? So I can never, like, get through to the Nissa. So I feel like it's really just Oko and Once Upon a Time. Like, we... The problem is every deck is green. Top 8 was all green, right? Oh, Even yeah. the two uh, adventure decks, the non-Oko decks, they rely heavily on Once Upon a Time. And if you're not playing Once Upon a Time in Standard, you're doing something wrong. You're playing, I don't know, Teamer Reclamation or something, right? With a low win rate, right? So that card makes... Archetype's viable, like you're not gonna have the adventures deck without without Innkeeper, which relies on once upon a time. But it also just makes everyone play green. So I don't know. Like color diversity was very, very low at this pro tour. So even if they remove Oko, would you not just still play green? <laughs> right? oh, yeah. Like what what would you what would you do, right? So if you want people to actually diversify to play, you know, red decks or something, you you kinda need to chop down the once upon a time a bit, right? Yeah, I I tend to think there's got to be probably multiple green cards banned. I think Oko, for me, I feel like it's just such a meme at this point that they can't avoid banning it. Like, even if they think, uh, like, maybe it's better to ban Once Upon a Time in Nyssa or something, or Gilded Goose Once Upon a Time in Nyssa, or whatever, some combination of other cards... I just don't think they want to deal with the Reddit threads once there's a, a BNR announcement that does not include Oko, because it's just such a big meme and such a big uh, conversation point at this point that I, I think it's just, like, priced in. Like, even if they don't want to ban it, I think they just kind of have to, to not deal with what the response would be if they if they don't ban it. But I do think you probably <laughs> got to look towards multiple cards. Like, I think if you ban any one green card... It, the metagame's still gonna look more or less like it does today, and those, the, they're just, the color is so good. It's got the best removal, the best counter spell, the best card draw, the best planeswalkers, the best ramp, <laughs> like, literally anything that is relevant to magic, they have the best, uh, the best of it right now. So getting rid of any one card, I don't think actually, necessarily solves uh, the issue with the format being so heavily green so uh, and apparently we have another mythic championship in like two weeks or something wait did I, we really I, I used to be mad about uh, the lack of gp coverage but apparently they just like cut gps and replace it with a mythic championship like every second week so uh, so yes uh, they were saying that the the deck submission is like i don't know a couple a few days or like a week after uh the bnr announcement so some pros were like wondering about that can they really change the format that close to another mythic championship so i i don't know what to think at this point uh although i do hope we don't see this again i think if wizards has to 
their metrics have to show that people aren't happy with standard. Uh, obviously, we don't know what engagement rates and stuff look like on Arena. If you believe the Arena players that go on Reddit and comment in articles and say they aren't playing as much as they used to, like, maybe less people are playing standard because of it. Or if you believe, like, the streamers that are playing Pioneer instead of standard or whatever. And the viewership this weekend was abysmal. I think there were, it peaked at like 22,000 viewers or something, which, I think makes it just like the least popular pro tour with viewers uh, in recent history, at least maybe in history period. So I think you add that all up and there's got to be some big changes. Well, okay. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Like go ahead. I mean, yeah, I I was going to just say that the, I think the part of the numbers is also just because I think moving forward standard should just be on arena. Oh, like, <laughs> oh, you did not just go there, Crew. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's weird. I like to, from a, a spectator's point of view. I, I think it's just more fun to watch it on Arena. I love Paper Magic, but like watching Standard and have it not be Arena is is weird to me. Do you think it would have made a difference view wise? Like, do you yeah. think people were going to oh, watch seventy yeah. percent Oko because it was on Arena? I think it would make a difference, but not that much of a difference. I really, I, I mean, it'd make a difference because they would embed the stream everywhere if it was Arena. So it would say a hundred thousand <laughs> views, regardless of how many humans uh, actually wanted to watch it. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go with. I, I think that the numbers would significantly still change because. If you, if you watch, like, while watching it, like, you would see, like, comments from people joining in, like, really wish the cards were a little bit easier to read, all this other stuff. And, and, like, don't get me wrong, like, the extensions are great and, like, really helpful, but I, I just feel like standard is just more enjoyable on Arena. Cause, I mean, isn't, like, it's what we have Arena for, right? I mean, we're, we, it's not like we're getting Pioneer or anything like that, right? So, <laughs> may as well just, like, whenever we have standard, I don't know, use your sweet new client so that we can watch it that way. It makes it just spectating yeah. a little bit easier. I don't know about reading cards. You can't read anything on Arena, but I mean, it looks better, yeah. kind of, but there, there's some like coolness to like seeing people in real life playing the game. But I think the biggest is the pace of play. Like Arena is just snap, 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 snap. Paper is like, okay, we're mulliganing. And then, okay, live looking over here and live looking over there. And, you know, we're thinking and we have to do combat math now. And, you know, just just the fact of like Kunio putting plus one plus one counters on his 20 creatures, right? Like it's just so much slower <laughs> in paper, right? So, you know, but I don't know. I don't think it fixes anything though. I don't think people would have enjoyed this mythic championship if it was all oka mirrors but on arena i think people would still be oh. complaining oh <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah i mean they'll still be complaining about oka i mean that's just going to happen right but i think that at least viewership wise and numbers it'd be a little bit better yeah but going back to the bandings i actually think maybe more players are playing arena now because of the oko banning like standard is 700 dollars to play any deck now in paper like, who's going to drop that kind of money on a standard deck that's going to rotate? But not only that, everyone's saying it's getting banned at some point, right? And you don't know if it's going to be a deck after Oko gets banned. Uh, so no one's really willing to fork over the cash. But on Arena, it's all the same price, right? So people could migrate to Arena to play play their Oko decks. <sighs> so maybe true, the Arena like, player numbers are bolstered because of this. I think, though, when it comes down to it, you play games because they're fun. And I think most people find playing against or with the same deck like 70% of the time just not enjoyable. So I think even just like discounting price, I think the the issue isn't necessarily price as much as like, isn't it? I've tried to fire it up standard a couple times and I literally play against Oko almost every match. Like it, it, it looks the arena meta that I've run into at whatever they reset me back to platinum or wherever you go after you were mythic the season before, it looks basically like the mythic championship where you play against oko decks more often than you don't so i play a couple of matches they take an hour uh, i get sick of <laughs> of playing against oko and then i just go play pioneer again or something so i feel like that's the bigger issue is like the fun level isn't very high for me with this standard all right so what cards do you think will get banned let, let, let's go with our hot takes <laughs> what, right. what is actually on the bnr next week no changes i'm an- Standard okay. is fine. <laughs> no changes. <laughs> Some oh, random boy. card in Popper is banned. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine how much the internet would like pretty much be flipping tables and running around and screaming? It's like we, we saw the data from Mythic Championship, but then we saw the data from our accountants and we cannot ban Oko. <laughs> no changes. Oko sells the new set. Sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to say Oka, Once Upon a Time, both get banned. Oh, I, I think realistically, yeah, it, it's probably going to be like, it's going to be Oko uh, and like maybe Nissa. I mean, I'd like to see Nissa go. I could so. see that. Oko I would Nissa. be fine with that too. All right. I think I like Seth's answer, but uh, maybe they want to hold on to Once Upon a Time. So maybe Oko Goose, Oko Goose or Oko Once Upon a Time. We'll what, just kill you- food altogether. Like forget food. It never happened, guys. <laughs> <laughs> What about Veil of Summer? I know that came up earlier. Do you think there's actually any chance that that is even on like the watch list, or is that just uh, something players talk about? I mean, I'd I'd like to think that that's on the watch list, but I don't. I'm not really sure. I, I'd like to see it gone. So I, yeah. But I think realistically, I don't know. It, Oko it's Veil, Oko, and like I mean, people don't even play Veil of Summer. Like it is an obnoxious card, but I don't know that that's the glue that holds Oko together, right? So that's like a bonus. That's like a bonus ban, right? Like, but, let's get Cryptic Command out of here while we're, we're at it. I mean, yeah, that that's just mostly it. Like, I like maybe Dex can control it a little bit easier when it's not getting blown out by by like Veil of Summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could guess, actually murder Ride or something now. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that murder riding something and knowing that it actually happens. It's actually like I, a three for one. It's like so bad. They draw a card, they save their thing, and you lose your adventure. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like you lose your body as well. You're like, wow, this was. Yeah, we actually we actually saw that almost exactly play out in the top eight in uh, Eli's match, the first round of the top eight, where uh, he was playing Green Black Adventures, went up quickly two and zero before the sideboarded games, and then just got crushed three times in a row after <laughs> sideboarding and Fail of Summer came in because all of a sudden you can't noxious grasp things and you can't murderous rider things and the planeswalkers stick around and it just uh, so we did actually see that swing play out in practice in the tournament. I thought as well, so I could see the merit for it, but I. Personally, I would think that Veil of Summer probably is like third or fourth on the list. I think if I was going to rank the options, probably Oko, Once Upon a Time, Nissa, and then you get down to like the Veil of Summer range. So I would be a little surprised if that jumped on top of some of those other cards for next week's BNR at least. Okay, do we have a Reflector Mage? Is there going to be a casualty <laughs> of a second tier archetype that's going to get hit outside oh. of the Oko deck? Hmm. They're like Edgewall Innkeeper huh. banned. No, <laughs> no way. I, Edgewall is great, but like, what about what about the banned to Teferi? Maybe Teferi. Oh, they might I be worried not. that Teferi will be too good in the new no, meta. <laughs> it does have the mana cost of Reflector Mage and even bounces something. Yeah, so if you just you replace want, Oko <laughs> with the playset of Teferi's, is your deck better? Crim, this is oh, the spot wait, wait, right wait. here. <laughs> Are you talking about wait, in what deck? If you're talking about like going bant food for it, it doesn't change the thing. Yeah, you go for bant. <laughs> you, you go, you curve goose into uh, to fairy into Nissa, and you're like, forget your autumn, <laughs> forget your veil of summers. I got to fairy now. I, I mean, I, I, I get. <laughs> It's definitely not Oko, right? Because you can't get aggressive with Teferi. Yeah. Only, you, if anything, you slow the game down. I think, yeah. well, f- before we move off of BNR, another thing that came up over this weekend with the Mythic Championships was London Mulligans and how they kind of make games play out the same. You always or often can find your key pieces. You can find the goose. And this is kind of exacerbated by once upon a time, I think, but turn one goose usually happens. And then you often have your uh, Oko for turn two or your Nissa for turn three. And same with other decks that aren't as popular. Like if you're playing a adventure deck, you can mulligan and find your innkeeper, your most important card, or Jeskai Fires can mulligan and find their fires. What do you, do you think there's any merit to the idea that the London Mulligan rule is basically homogenizing the way games play out and making uh, the format less fun. Should that be something on the table as far as revisiting for Constructed? I, I like London Mulligan. I think that the London Mulligan right is is one of probably the better things to happen for, for Magic gameplay. So I am on board with keeping London Mulligan around. Yeah, I'm not sure. So it definitely leads to like the less non-games, right? When you actually mull to five, it's not that bad. But the point in the article, I think, actually holds. Like, all your games look the same. Like, I, I've been jamming Selesnya Adventure this weekend, and I, I swear, like, every game I have an Edgewall Innkeeper, turn one, right? Like, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's something high, like 80% or something, because, like, you mull to, like, five or four 
to to get the edge wall innkeeper, right? You you try to mull into a once upon a time or edge wall innkeeper because basically if you don't have edge wall innkeeper, it's like you mulled the three anyway. You're playing one man of one ones, <laughs> right? But if you mulled the three and get an edge wall innkeeper, that could be the same as like a seven card hand, right? And uh, you guys notice my my infamous Ren and Six deck, <laughs> right? In modern, <laughs> you just mull like crazy because it doesn't matter because young Pyromancer and Ren and Six fix your hand, right? So if you're not doing the exact thing your deck is supposed to be doing, you just mull into oblivion and then you get yourself back out of it. It's it like I don't know, like that's very different from how magic was a long uh, you know a couple years ago where you know every card you mull, it's like, oh my god, it's like over, right? And you know, you don't get to even mulling to five doesn't guarantee you you get your combo together. So like essentially we're all playing combo decks, except unlike you know a legacy combo deck, you don't win on the spot, but your prize for your assembling your combo is your deck works and the difference between <laughs> a deck working and not working is big right like goose oko wolf nissa is much better than like i don't know like four paradise druids into nothing right like that's not even a deck right so you must mull into your perfect curve otherwise you're gonna lose so i don't know it makes all the games kind of the same and too powerful maybe so maybe i don't know there's some merit to it i mean yeah like, ahead, the, the reason why I think that's a kind of like a good thing almost because like it means that there aren't ridiculous non games where you're just like sitting there with like mulling into oblivion and still not getting lands and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with getting destroyed consistently by a deck. I guess <laughs> I, I think it's like for me, I think it's like psychological. Like, is it really truly any less of a non game when your opponent goes? turn one goose oko and then they just like snowball and win the game or like whatever like it's still kind of a non-game you feel like you're doing something but in reality <laughs> your your choices really don't make that big of a difference because your opponent has their draw or whatever i i would caution i guess i'm a little concerned about people going too hard at the london mulligan based on our current standard because i do think our current standard is just broken for non-london mulligan rule reasons and printing once upon a time added a whole nother layer of consistency on top of london mulligans so i i wouldn't freak out too much but i do think as players have like learned how to take advantage of london mulligans and build their decks for it mulliganing more often for their like ideal starts i do think it is having an impact so for me i think i, I don't want to see the london mulligan rule go away right now i'd rather see standard get fixed uh as far as its card pool and then kind of reevaluate but i do think it's something to keep an eye on at least moving forward that maybe it is something in the future that is actually a detriment uh, rather than a benefit what set did we get the london mulligan rule at do you guys remember uh, i think Jeez. that was war of the spark i think it was war of the spark or m20 it was like six months oh, ago it's maybe. still pretty recent okay because i'm like we've been having standard bands like non-stop for the past like two years so you know maybe that's a bit no london mulligan is much newer than that yeah the mulligan game part way through i think uh we'll just the blame banning, the so. play design test team <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah jeez. well it'll be interesting uh, also as far as bannings we do have another pioneer announcement sometime today uh have y'all still been playing pioneer in the last week any oh yeah Anything you're expecting or wanting to see banned on today's weekly announcement? Uh, I still want Nexus of Fate banned. I I think that card it, it just it's just not fun to play against like at all. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Just because Crim, is how can you even say something like this? You be sitting there doing nothing while your opponent's playing the game, yeah. <laughs> and you have no way to interact with them. Like, hmm. it it feels so bad though. Like you just you don't oh, do like it. A, a deck that goes over the top of control. Oh. No, it, it, like, like imagine trying to play anything else too. It's the same, right? Like they're just like, all right, cool. I'm gonna untap if I have Wilderness Reclamation and you're probably not going to have your turn again. <laughs> I I do wonder how much of it is also like Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise. Whenever I play against like the Wilderness Rack deck, it feels like Dig Through Time is like really backbreaking in that strategy because it's usually two mana and it finds an Nexus and oh yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Nexus ban just because I don't like the card, even though I don't think, based on tournament results yet, there's too much of a, like, argument that it's, like, dominating the format. It's more that it's just, uh, I personally find it obnoxious to play against and not very fun play pattern. 
I'm expecting no changes this week, I think. Although, I said that last week and three cards got banned, so I guess we'll see. I think, uh, for me, top of my watch list, Once Upon a Time, I think that will be banned in Pioneer before uh, probably the Players Tour in February. And I think the Delve cards are still up there. Dig Through Time, Tesher Cruise. I think those probably will end up getting the axe at some point, too. But I don't know if it'll necessarily happen this week. I don't I don't think... Okay, maybe... Like I, I don't think the Delve cards are that bad. I do think, however, that yes, Once Upon a Time is is a little brutal. The older the format, like the farther back we go, Once Upon a Time gets a little more brutal. Same with the uh, Veil of Summer to some extent too. Oh, I've yeah. seen people actually like talking <laughs> about Veil of Summer and Pioneer needing to be banned. So yeah. Uh, anyway, all right, we're going to move on here in just a minute. Talk about mystery boosters and some uh, SCD tour news. But before we do, I wanted to let you know that our sponsor today is Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. And now you can get more than ever before with a free audiobook and two Audible Originals every month with also unlimited access to exclusive guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible is perfect for the gym, the car, or travel. Anytime you can't read, you can listen with Audible. And the audiobook for War the Spark Forsaken releases tomorrow, so you can keep up on the magic lore and story for free when you start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash mtggoldfish or text mtggoldfish to 500-500. That's audible.com slash mtggoldfish or text mtggoldfish to 500-500. So, uh, thank you to Audible for supporting supporting the show. And let's talk about mystery boosters. We finally found out the mystery. Uh, it was an interesting day on Thursday when people were opening their packs at Magic Fest Richmond. Uh, <laughs> so, so, all right, uh, Richard, why don't you tell us what this set is about? And then we can talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> the reaction to it, which I find kind of funny. Yeah. So it turns out it's just like a cube, right? So they just <laughs> put a whole bunch of like reprints into packs. And the community reaction was kind of bleh. like everyone kind of knew it was going to be a cube, but then it turned out to be a cube. And I was like, huh? Like, I, I don't know. Right. It was like a lot of hype going into it. Like Gavin walking around with like the steel suitcase and <laughs> saying like, oh, you know, the set's done like four things or three things we've never done before in the history of magic. Turns out it's a cube, but they also added uh like play play design play test cards in it so each pack also has a play test card where uh it, it actually looks like a proxy and then it, it has you know play test cards and then yeah that's the mystery booster uh the, the other thing we got is today we got the full list of all the cards so you can find them on the site also we know that the convention booster has the play test card but the wpn boosters will have a foil card that's actually not in that in the list of cards uh so a new set of foil cards in that slot uh which is how they're going to justify it as a premium product so yeah mystery yeah. boosters <laughs> so i was watching on uh, thursday and people freaked out like almost immediately if you read the reddit threads or twitter there was a lot of people freaking out uh i will in defense of the community it's a huge set. It's like 1,600 cards or something. And the specific boosters in sealed pools that were opened on camera, they did look a lot like those Walmart cubes that you buy, just like this <laughs> random mash of like bulk rares and old commons scraped up from the floor. But now that we've actually seen the set list, I think this is actually a pretty solid product. If you look at the value of the cards that are in the set, I think it's actually going to have a really high v uh, expected value. Yes, it is going to be very high variance because the set is just so massive that any individual booster, even booster box, you're not going to get a large percentage of the set overall. But I think that the set immediately got a bad rap from the community based on just like this really small sample size of like six or 12 or 18 booster packs that were opened on stream and and they just weren't very good booster packs so i kind of feel bad because if other booster packs has been open i think the immediate reaction from the community would have been a lot more positive if if they were just like even average booster packs instead of just like some really really like bad running booster packs that were opened on stream i don't know if i even agree with that right because we we saw the mana crypt or something pretty early on i i think the problem was it was like super hyped up and then everyone was like okay where's the stream it's like 
some CFB employee with like a phone, like a shaky phone, walking <laughs> yeah, around, like, right? Periscope. And, and you, you have Periscope like was still a thing. You have like five thousand people trying. Like, like, what is this, right? Like, how can you hype it up so much and not have like a proper, you know, some proper coverage, right? So, I think the product itself is fine, but there was so much hype leading up to it that our expectations were just unreal, and then we were all let down, right? So, you know, if they just like snuck it in like oh you know it's a special convention thing like don't worry you know whatever like i think it would have been fine but because it everyone was like is this the next master set right like what is this right this is crazy and then we saw it with like shaky camera and everything and we're like oh well that was unexciting (laughs) it was a little weird not to see any like i was at least expecting like noir or alternate like frames like something so i think it was like a little bit strange and i do think like wizards definitely kind of hyped it up the way they did it with like with like gavin walking around like a spy or something with a briefcase (laughs) attached to his arm so uh, yes maybe the community should manage expectations more with stuff like this but at the same time like wizards also hype stuff up so you can't really like blame the community too much for letting their minds run wild about what they're what it could be in a mystery booster so i don't know it was definitely a lot rockier of a launch than i expected because i i remember it being super fun when ultimate masters came out and we were seeing like these really sweet valuable cards and even though the set like sort of flopped afterwards like the initial day when people were posting them on social media that was a really fun day and i didn't really get that same feeling with mystery boosters because it was just like such an immediate negative reaction from a lot of the community Ugh. I, I mean, I was watching it, and I I don't know. I mean, my excitement for the set definitely died a little bit after, you know what I mean? Like like seeing what was getting pulled, even with the the reprints. I like I I did like the playtest cards. That was about it, though. Yeah, sadly, those aren't actually going to be in the versions you get at your local game store, which is a little bit weird. Those are the ones replaced by foils. I think those are some of the most interesting cards. Oh, not necessarily because what they do, because they're not legal anywhere, but because the way Wizards has talked about them is as, like, future site cards, where these are maybe not the exact cards, but they're things, mechanics that maybe we'll be seeing in future sets. So it sounds like... There's, they're probably worth analyzing from that because we've reached the point where almost all of the future site cards from actual future site have actually been mechanics and cards and made it into sets. So if this is like the second, uh, you know, run of future site and kind of laying out some stuff we might be seeing over the next 10 years or something, I think that's actually really interesting. Yeah. I actually feel they wasted that content so to speak. Like I think they should have just packaged it into a silver boarded set and called it a day. Like, there are all these cool cards that do weird and wacky things, except it's not sanctioned and there's like no format for them. So like, what do you, what do you do with them? Right. It's kind of just wasted. Right. So I, I thought that was a little weird. And like most people won't even get to see them. Right. Cause they're only conventions, uh, boosters. So that was a little strange. Uh, the cars themselves. So we kind of glossed over it, but so they all have the original printing. So that means it's the original set symbol, the original frame and all that. Uh, the original set number. The only difference is there's a little white Planeswalker logo in the bottom left. Yeah, I so, didn't even notice that. It took me yeah. so long to find that. Uh, the question is like, how glossy will the cards be? Is it like Dominario? Like, I don't know, right? But we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. And then uh, expensive cards, the most expensive card was Mana Crypt. That's like 200 bucks. Um, there are a bunch of cards in like the $50, $40, like Bloom Tender Expropriate, Teferi's Protection, Salvala. And then it starts dropping off. But we have the whole list on the site. So you can actually see. And then if they release the slots, we could try to calculate EV. But I, I don't know. It seemed it seemed expensive. <laughs> I think a lot of the sentiment was people that played the event. You paid $75 to play the event, kind of, right? And it was not really like, oh, I walked away with so much money unless you were the Mana Crypt person. Yeah. So is this a set that either one of you will buy like is this something that appeals to you personally no i don't want to play the one in 1700 lottery of getting the card i want like what do you do with this right you get literally any card from all of magic it's it's like literally buying the walmart (laughs) booster thing right like it's 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 gambling times 10 right i think it's great for trying chaos draft and stuff like that 
It's not That's even chaos. What I, you can just do the mystery booster draft. It's like basically a chaos yeah. draft, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if I like chaos drafting, then sure, I can I can do this. Yeah, I think it would be really fun as far as playing with it. I don't know about just like buying a booster box to open. That seems very high risk, just because of the set size and the variance involved. But it does seem. Like, if I was at a event where they had one of their, like, events for Mystery Boosters, I would probably do one. I think the playtest cards probably had a really fun element, and it seems like it would be fun to draft with, at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, what is it, Sliv Mizzet? I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> I The card that I want to see show up in Black Mortar is they have uh, just one black mana, you lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, like, the perfect against the odds card. So, Wizards, if you're listening, Gavin, <laughs> next time you do this, print that in a uh, Black Border, please, so I can make an against the odds with it. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, other big news of the week, SCG Tour made some announcements about what their tour is going to look like in 2020, which is almost here. We're like six weeks away from New Year's or something, which is absurd, but uh, they're dropping Legacy. Dropping Legacy, essentially replacing it with Pioneer. They said they will still do special Legacy events at like SCG Con, similar to how they do like Vintage and Cube and all kinds of different formats at their SCG Con events. Uh, what do you think of this announcement, and uh, what does it mean for Legacy? Legacy is the new vintage. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, like, they posted a follow-up to this, right? Because everyone's like, SCG, why are you killing Legacy? And, like, I hate you and all this, right? <laughs> but it turns out that Legacy has been unprofitable for years, right? So people are speculating that, oh, maybe they're canceling it so they can, like, buy up all the dual lands and reserveless cards and then bring it back and, like, you know pull an mtg finance move on everyone right (laughs) but it turns out that this thing has been unprofitable for years and they've been justifying keeping it around for so long but now they just couldn't do it anymore and they they said an interesting they dropped an interesting fact it's like dual lands the price of them are driven by commander players not legacy players like that's how small the pool uh, of legacy players are so they decided to just axe legacy altogether remember they cut back on the tour it's been two years, three years. I don't know when. Remember, they used to have the Sunday Legacy events on camera, and then uh, it was removed. Uh, now they're actually removing it altogether, so no classics and things like that anymore, and they'll just have like special events. But Pioneer will be replacing Legacy, and Modern is the new Legacy. Legacy is the new Vintage. Vintage is still Vintage. <laughs> like yeah, Vintage. We're, we're seeing, vintage we're seeing the next. Two. We're seeing the next <laughs> shift, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a probably a very good choice. Even before I read their like follow up where they kind of went in depth on it, I I thought it was a good choice to begin with because Legacy just naturally uh, because of the reserve list and the inability to reprint cards, there's just no way for it to ever be a big format in paper. Like I hope people keep playing it on Magic Online or if you have a local scene, keep playing it because it's a super fun format. I love Legacy. It's still one of my favorite formats to watch on coverage, but it is uh, just impossible for it to ever grow because of the reserve list and how expensive it is for people to get into it. So I think business-wise, uh, it's a smart choice and it definitely makes choice right now because it allows SCD to capitalize on the hype for Pioneer with 2020. So uh, like, I feel bad for Legacy players, but uh, I think it's just inevitable. And Legacy has kind of been on its deathbed for uh, a, while. a while now. Like, five years, ten years, it's just slowly been heading this direction. So, yeah, it is what it is. And I guess uh, the time moves forward and formats move forward along with it. Do you think Wizards will reprint Dual Lands or something? <laughs> or, or they're just like, nah, it, it's cool. Legacy's dead. I mean, Why? Right at this point, like if, if legacy isn't, isn't a thing anymore and they decide to somehow actually like be done with legacy, then I guess you don't really need to do it. Right. Cause it's only an EDH and an EDH. It's not like decks don't work without underground seas and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think maybe we'll see more commander specific dual lands. Uh, like you could print 
uh, almost like the Battle Bond lands, where if you have multiple players, you could plant a fetchable version of those if you wanted to with land types, and uh, that still wouldn't break the reserve list, and it would still help with commander players, so I don't think so. I think Wizards would be fine with Legacy just being like a a super fringe format, similar to how Vintage has been for a while now, but I think Wizards would be fine with that and have Modern become Legacy and Pioneer essentially become Modern is the eternal format of choice for the community. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's kind of uh, sad, but it's a long time coming. I mean, if people truly love Legacy, they'd be playing Magic Online. But I feel like everyone just likes to complain about prices and reserve lists. So, <laughs> like, whenever anything has a Legacy, they just, like, get up in arms and complain. But I'm like... Legacy is super affordable on Magic Online. So if you truly love the format, you'd be jamming it there, but people don't, and right? It's, Cause it's not huge on Magic Online. Like it, yeah. it, the people do play it, but it's not like a huge thriving format with thousands of players or anything. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, one more quick topic before we get into our fish mail. We had some special arena events, uh, maybe a little bit tone deaf arena events this weekend <laughs> with a, a Oko elk version of Momir where every creature you put into play, it's a 3-3 elk. Did either one of you sit through and play this event to get your sweet card styles? I really wanted the card styles. It was like Murderous Rider. Storybook was like the top one if you could get all the wins. So I did play it. Did either one of you play it? Yeah, I got, I got all the wins required. It was so much fun, actually. And, it, and I liked how, like, the thing is, you know, everybody is talking about elks and, you know, I'm an elk or this message has become an elk and all that stuff. But at th- this event, it, uh, I'm glad they're having fun with it, you know? Like, I, I think they're like, I, you know, I, I think it's a good thing that everything is an elk here just for the memes. I'm, I'm on board with it. I think it's I, hilarious. I, I don't like it. run me the wrong way. <laughs> I'm like, you don't need to. You don't need to rub salt in the wound, like everything. <laughs> it like, was a bit tone deaf. And I don't know. I like the format's actually kind of boring. So it is like the best way to grind your daily wins, right? Because you coin flip for like five seconds and then someone wins the game, right? So either you get Borborgamos or like Villas or something, or your opponent does and the game is over. Like there's, I don't know. Token it doesn't feel like real Momir to me. So, mm. ugh. I'm a huge uh, Momir fan. I really like Momir. I didn't especially like the gameplay of this event. It was, Momir is random and swingy by nature, but there is some amount of skill involved. In this version of Momir, it felt like the somehow there was even less skill than normal Momir because (laughs) you get, like, creatures with eight mana abilities on turn one because of how it was set up. I think I would have enjoyed it more if it was... Normal, uh, normal Momir, essentially. Like, the converted mana cost working the same as normal Momir, but everything being 3-3 three, three Alex. I, I think it was the, oh, you randomly got Borborgamos on turn one, or whatever, that, that made it a little less fun for me. But I did also stick it out and get my wins to get the card styles. And I played a lot of Omniscience Draft. Omniscience Draft, as much as I might have not liked Momir, oh man, Omniscience Draft is so much fun. I think that's my single favorite special event that they do on Arena. So if that ever comes up, I tried to get in quite a few games because, oh, it is, that format's like a blast for me. Ah, uh, yes, the turn zero Cavalier kills. <laughs> did you ever have that happen to you? Because it happened to me. <laughs> They just dump two fatties and uh, the red cavalier, get everything haste, and just one shot you. Oh, I didn't. So, like, you hope you have your bone to ash ready, or else you're just dead. Uh, I build a lot of turn one kill decks. That's just how I play Omniscience Draft is like, how can I kill people on turn one? But most of them involve like Scholar of Ages, Unsummon loops with like the blue mill mm-hmm. creature whenever a blue creature comes into play or Corpse Knight to deal a damage when a creature comes into play. So I tried to build a lot of like loopy Scholar of Ages decks, which I thought it was pretty fun. I had one deck where I went seven and oh and had like four, I think, turn one wins, which is probably my best run of the weekend. Why was it M20? Why, why is it not? Eldrain. So do you want the the uh, kind of like conspiracies theorist jaded view? Yeah, Which is, with it. Uh, because everyone's already opened their M20 cards and <laughs> they can pay you out in gems instead of Throne of Eldrain cards that you don't already have in your collection. Oh, I'm like, is this the same format we played before? I'm like, it would be sweet if we could play Eldrain cards. You could like adventure everything. It'd be great. <laughs> I really think that is what it is, though. They just don't want to give a really easy way for people to earn a ton of uh, Eldorain cards as close to the set release. So I expect we'll see Eldorain around when Theros is releasing in a couple months. We'll probably have a, a version of Omniscient's Draft with Eldorain. Uh, anyway, 
I think that is everything we wanted to cover, so fish mail us, Richard. All right. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your question on air. S-A-W speaks. Discuss a format where commons and uncommons are the only legal rarities. What would the format be called? What's on the ban list? Ooh. Uh, peasant. I think this format actually, like, kind of already exists in a player-run mode. Yeah, I don't know if there's a bad list, but it it exists. People have been playing it, so look up Peasant. Uh, there uh, actually is a, a pretty big ban list, so definitely check it out. A lot of, like, Power 9 cards uh, and some other cards as well, so... Refresh Demon, I'm formulating an ultra-budget casual format for new players at work. The current plan is to permit people to play any Watsy precon without changes or any decks under $30. Aside from Silver Border and Anti-Cards, what should be on the initial ban list? Hmm. I feel like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel if they're new players, like, who's gonna look up a ban list, right? Just, like, you know, don't... You know, I think Anti-Silver Border is pretty pretty good, right? Like, they're new players, they're just learning the game, you know, like, I, I don't know that we need to be all super spiky and stop people from doing certain strategies. Yeah, and I think if it's just a bunch of starter decks, yeah, like... Go ahead. It's kind of awkward to like buy a precon and be like, oh, one of your cards from the deck you just purchased is banned, so you got to replace <laughs> it, especially for new players. So I think if that's part of the idea of the format, I would probably trend towards no ban list too. Yeah, What's no ban list. <laughs> get a commander deck with Soul Ring. <laughs> get a modern, <laughs> get a modern event deck with Stoneforge or whatever Inquisitions. <laughs> You could uh, go back. This, this and is buy why this. I'm not invited to these like casual company. <laughs> <games>. <laughs> the minute we get the format, like how do I break it? How do I crush all these other noobs? <laughs> uh, curl it like this. What's the state of MTG journalism? Not just content about cards and tournaments, but articles, reporting, and interviews. With the growth of MTGs and esport, more endemic journalism feels natural. But I never see any. Am I not looking hard enough? There's not actually a lot that I, at least from what I'm following and the people I follow that like interview and like go follow the esports side more often, like more than just, I don't know, whatever Watsy puts up for articles, right? Yeah, I've seen like some esports sites have some like magic articles, especially around like pro tours or bannings and stuff, but I haven't seen a lot of like, I guess journalism y style articles in magic either. I think that's interesting. I think like Hipsters of the Coast does some of that stuff. That's probably the closest to like a journalistic site uh in the magic community. But it's also like kind of a contenty site too. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a place where there could be more growth in the content community with uh with the current state of the game. Yeah, and you have like enter the battlefield, um Ristic studies, like, you know, kind of the highly produced content like video content that's more in line with like you know vice or something like that so we do have some but i agree that with how big the game is it's surprising that we don't have more pieces like you know a piece on paulo's family or something like that i don't know like you know stuff like that right like we you know we know everything about every athlete ever right but you know we don't know anything about magic players aside from how many top eight wins they have right we need, like, the magic version of TMZ. Like, paparazzi going to GPs oh. and, like, snapping people, going to their hotel rooms and stuff. <laughs> right that would be so obnoxious. Like, you're trying to play a game and there's, like, 30 people flashing super bright lights. Uh, you see a reporter, like, Crim is playing with Carnage Tyrant. Put, the, yeah. <laughs> put that on the front page. What's going on? It'll look like I'm trying to, like, cover the camera, too. <laughs> uh, Careless Rex 78 with what does the creation of Pioneer for modern focus reprint sets? Will there be MH2? And also, is now the time to pick up modern staples? So MH2 or PH1? What comes first? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say MH2 comes first still. I yeah. think Wizards is still going to support modern, and I think we might even see them be more aggressive with some of uh, like the legacy reprints in MH2 because Pioneer is a format. So maybe they try to just like make modern a little bit more legacy-ish and not worry about it being the format where broken things can happen and have Pioneer be like the, the more fair, interactive eternal format. Yeah. I think they're gonna, they're gonna double up. I think MH2 will have a heavy slant towards Pioneer so that you can get your Pioneer staples in MH2. Because that makes sense. Those are technically modern cards. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I I can see that. That's where they're gonna put all their okos. <laughs> <laughs> if it's still in the format, in any format. <laughs> 
we didn't we have that where they put something in a reprint set then banned it oh what was that was it splinter, splinter twin? twin yeah i think was twin was printed yeah. and then banned shortly after yep uh, accordingly, 23, did Oath of Nyssa die for the sins of Oko, or does the banding support Wizards printing more powerful three-mana Planeswalkers for Pioneer? I, I think Oath of Nyssa was just a very powerful card, because it allowed you to play Oko, Sahili, Cat, Teferi, just play whatever you wanted, really. Yeah, and even outside of that aspect, which is what Wizards focused on in their ban announcement, it was also, like, free devotion and mono green devotion, one of the best decks, a free, like, legend in your graveyard for Kethys-style combo deck. It just did so much in so many different decks. So I think it was a a good ban choice. Giving green a ponder, Veil of Summer, have, it have all the best spells. Like, okay. I think it died for Okosins. <laughs> I think it was a casual because we have it in modern. No one plays it in modern. I mean, I've tried it. It like sucks, <laughs> right? But it's just that because we have such poor mana fixing, uh, that it, it fixes your mana really well for planeswalkers, right? And when you play your broken planeswalkers, it makes up for it. So I, I think it is, right? But I think this could mean they're just going to push more three mana planeswalkers in the future and they, they want to be able to keep doing that, which. Doesn't bode well for standard, but they gotta get rid of both of Nissa for that, right? Uh, DE3 rules. How confusing is it to have two separate band lists, one for paper and one for arena? Mm, I think it should be consistent. Why would you do this unless you actually errata cards on arena? So I think this might be in reference to Brawl. If anyone cares about paper Brawl, where they banned Oko, but only an arena Brawl for some reason. Uh, that strike me as a little strange, especially since Brawl isn't very popular in paper, so I don't know what the harm is of just banning it in paper, too. But I think especially for, like, standard, you want people to be able to test for their paper events on Arena, so there's that crossover. So I think having the same ban list is super essential for those type of formats. Yeah, I yeah. think Wizards just screwed this one up, because the, the only difference is 1v1 versus multiplayer which should be two different formats, right? So Oko should be banned in 1v1 Brawl, but not in multiplayer Brawl. But then for some reason, they made it digital versus paper. That Yeah, that's actually a good point. That might have been a better way of just like announcing it, I guess, is it's banned in 1v1 Brawl. Random Dark Rider, what do you guys think of Outlaw's Merriment in Standard? I've been crushing with it, combined with Improbable Alliance, the Royal Scions, and Dance of the Mans. Ooh. I have not played a, a deck featuring that card yet at all, so I'll have to try it. I I, I made a uh, I played this uh, Mardu Enchantments deck a while back in Best of One. Uh, that deck was really sweet. I I think if you're playing Outlaws Merriment and you play things like Fires of Invention, and then you also throw in like Ethereal Absolution plus uh, Theater of Horrors. You can get some crazy things going. Uh, Bicycle. Playing Arena less and less, even the bad standard decks are miserable to play against. Flash, Stacks, Fires, Teamer Wreck. This is the last... This and last rotation were my first standards. I might be whiny, but where do you rank this standard amongst others? And what were the worst? Oh, are, are we counting this standard like what we saw at the Mythic Championship yeah. this weekend? Oh, that's I think this got to be all time on the list of like all time worst formats but it's like two weeks like <laughs> we've had like four standards though we've had like two standards in the standard we're we gonna have a third standard yeah. in the standard so is it actually that bad current standard is i think that field of dead oko standard was actually way more fun and interesting than current just oko standard uh but i would say that it is i would say I would say this is worse than Kaladesh standard where we had so many bannings. What like about that index peaked at like 40% of the meta or something. Callblade is a good fun. comparison. Callblade is a good comparison as far as the lack of diversity and the fact that I guess it's sub people like it because it's pretty skill testing. Like if we're going to play food mirrors all yeah. day, we saw that at the mythic championship, like the better player is going to win more than they lose with, uh, with everyone playing the mirror. So. The, the patterns of play from Cobblade were much more fun and interesting in, when it came to all the mirror matches and if they decided, if people decided to add a third color or not. But like, th this standard, it's like you add a third color or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's like, alright, cool. <laughs> like, I, I'm, this, this format though, I don't even think is as bad. I, I dislike the, the Golos Oko standard more than this one. So, I Interesting. Do, yeah. I feel there was actually some rock, paper, scissors action, action happening with Golos. But, uh, this, 
This is like who can. The problem is the the way we play Magic now is different, right? All you do is snowball a planeswalker. Whereas in standards past, it was different, right? So now, like every game kind of feels the same because you're trying to snowball a certain planeswalker and uh, they snowball pretty well. So like, you, it's really hard to catch up. Like once they fire off that like hydroid crisis for a billion, like you're not really coming back unless you do it immediately. So I don't know. I feel this is actually probably the worst standard we've seen. Is it worse than Hogak? <laughs> I wasn't in standard. <laughs> wasn't in but... standard. No, no, no. But like, let's say what Hogak did to modern uh, versus what Oko is doing to standard. I would say that it's it's about the same. Yeah, I think it's the same. Except it's hard for modern to ever get uh, so dominated by one deck just because it's so expensive to buy into modern decks that a lot of people play non Hogak decks just because they don't have an extra fifteen hundred dollars sitting around to buy a new deck. So I think it like was more diverse even than the height of uh, Hogak, even though the format was just as broken. The thing I like about Hogak is they kill you in like five seconds and you move on. <laughs> Here, they lock you in for like two hours. <laughs> it's two hours I mean, of a game where you feel like you can win until, well, very much so, like, not anymore. Welcome I should to also <laughs> say... Should should also say that I was not playing when, like, Telerian Academy was killing people on turn one with Memory Jar or whatever. So this, this, I think it's the most broken standard based on my experience of the last, like, 15 years or whatever. But there might be some old standards that were actually just more busted. Yeah, I think Skull Clamp was worse. Um, Skull Clamp standard was worse. I think, uh, I don't know. I, like... I feel like this, to me, is on the same level of boring as Teamer Energy. Yeah, that's a good comparison, I think. A but decent those comparison. Are, those are all lane. fast decks. I, I, I liken this to, like, Nefalia Drownyard Mirrors. <laughs> right? I Where love you're like Nefalia Drownyard Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm not playing Magic, but I'm also not playing Magic for, like, two hours, right? And there's, like, some weird chance that I can actually win, so I gotta keep going, <laughs> right? And then it just goes forever. <laughs> and, yeah, there's, like, strategy things, but... Like, if you're going to kill me, kill me in, like, five minutes so I can grab dinner, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm i here to play Magic, so I don't mind the long, grindy games as long as the patterns of play aren't miserable. Uh, then you must love Nexus of Fate. <laughs> you no, no, no. See, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that, no, no, we don't play. One person does. <laughs> and then usually it's over. It's, it's just, that, okay, Nexus of Fun is, is not, Nexus of Fun <laughs> is what I call it because it's just like, you know that that's just, oh. It's the most miserable card ever. All right. Uh, it's really Isaac. Hey, guys, I'm thinking of getting into Commander with my nine-year-old, but I don't even know where to start. Uh, can you wrap on how to get into Commander for a bit? We do have an LGS that has Commander Night on Saturdays. Commander well, can be intimidating, right, with uh, like a, a nine-year-old? Because there's a lot of things to remember. I think, really, you buy a Commander deck. Like, I think that's yeah. one of the best things about the Commander format is... The pre-cons are actually pretty decent. They're decent enough that you, and because of how the format works with it being four players and like the politics of it, you can definitely like buy a pre-con that appeals to you and take it to a commander night and probably do fine with it. Like, it, it, you know, and you couldn't do that with like a planeswalker deck in standard, let's say, or an intro deck in standard. But in commander, I think that's probably the best way to do it is buy a pre-con that you like and then work on learning the format and then upgrading it as you go along. Agreed. I mean, like, we, we lost to Richard <laughs> playing literally just the Kadena deck out of the box. With us playing, like, actual commander decks, not yeah. like on commander I decks. I played yeah. Animar, and you played, like, Brago, and we, lost to, yep. and we lost to Kadena, <laughs> like, out of the box. Hey, I had some pretty good morph cards, okay? <laughs> yeah, because they were uh, mine, because you kept eating them off the top of my deck. All right, last question. Filthy Moogle. In an Oka Nissa meta, why aren't people that don't want to play those cards playing Sorceress Spyglass in the sideboard? Oh, no, you just move that to the main board. No, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like <laughs> I was playing, like, you, know, like, you could play the Esper Stacks decks, or you could play Orzov Control, if you will, and just main deck three to four Sorcerer Spyglass. I, I do that, and it works quite well. Yeah, the problem is if you get it out of order... Like yeah. you, you source with spyglass, you see their hand, it's a Nissa. So oh. you like, you, you Nissa them, and then they top deck an Oko and an Elk your spyglass, and you're like, haha. I, I just name Oko right off the bat. I see a Nissa, yes, but I'm also just going to name Oko. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I go up the, the chain. <laughs> I feel There's like an it was expert even spyglass weird. player. <laughs> 
I think it was even worse when Bant food was the number one deck because then you had Teferi, Oko, and Nissa, and both Oko and Teferi can deal with Spyglass, at least like temporarily. So I think that's one of the big reasons is just like overloaded on things that you needed to name. But maybe with the the current builds, maybe that actually is a more like legitimate plan. Yeah, like the Sultai builds have started like as you know, like playing Vrasco Golgari Queen. So it is a little little bit more difficult to keep a spyglass but i still name oko first then if i see that they're the sultai variant then i'll name like Vraska, and then i name nissa and i guess <sighs> there's also like assassins trophies and brontodons in the sideboard which probably yeah. weaken the plan more so ah but that's why you play cavalier of dawn gets around veil of summer <laughs> not <laughs> even kidding <laughs> not <laughs> you- <laughs> yeah, and then you just have to set a spyglass on Brontodon too. You just need yeah. like four very <laughs> specifically named cards in the right order, and you got them. <laughs> well, if you play Doom Foretold, they'll usually just blow that up or something. <laughs> uh, all right, one last question, Sapik One Two One. Do you all believe that Standard will ever go without bans at least once a year? Since the Copter Emrakul Reflector Mage bannings in seventeen, something gets banned. Twenty nineteen went the longest with the banning in October, but there's always a banning every year now. I I hope there will be bans happening every year just because that means that like from the like the you know the 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 design team they can take risks make new cards more interesting cards because i really do not like you know boring standards like i i'm not gonna lie i think teamer energy is really boring it's it, it just like nothing nothing happens the 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 cards aren't that cool they're not that interesting so i like it when like the design team takes a shot on some cards and then you know if they have to ban it then sure, ban it. I think we gotta get used to more bannings. I think in a world of arena and esports and tons of like content and uh, so forth, I think no matter what Wizards does design wise, uh, unless they go super conservative, which like Krim said, we don't really want because we want like cool and powerful cards. So unless they stop taking chances, which isn't gonna be good, I think we're just gonna keep needing to ban cards. So I think it's more like in this case, the community just needs to adjust their expectations for 2020 in a world of arena and things moving so quickly and and start to accept that bannings are probably just going to be par for the course and standard i think uh, not every month or anything but i wouldn't be surprised if we had one or more a year moving forward yeah yeah i, mean, I think they're going to be the norm going forward but i think wizards needs to fix this because i remember when we first started the podcast we would never talk about bannings because there were never any bannings, right? Anytime the discussion came up, we were like, when was the last time they banned anything? <laughs> like, Jace the Mind Sculptor, like, 8 million years ago, right? Now, yeah. like, literally two minutes after set releases, like, thousands of games have been played and people are like, oh, this mechanic's broken up, oh, ban this, oh, I can't play anymore, right? Like, literally before, like, like... If I bought cards for a standard deck, by the time they arrived to me, like a BNR has happened, <laughs> right? Like my cards are obsolete, like on route, right? Like now things move so fast. Like they, they, they got to figure out some way to fix this because they're trying to keep up with like, say how a game like Hearthstone handles it, but they don't have a physical version, right? They're, they can change however fast they want and it doesn't really affect anyone. But now I'm like, I gotta buy a deck for the Grand Prix, right? And then in between your bannings, like, can I even secure cards? Like, if really we have a Mythic Championship and cards are banned a week before, how are you even gonna get your cards, right? Like, there are these weird things that we have to deal with now. Uh, but yeah. And social media going nuts with bannings and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know how we're just gonna handle this, but it, it does feel super negative, right? Every time you play standard, it feels bad because of all the stuff you're reading and even if you haven't been personally alkified and you know Oko hasn't done bad things to you you just read about it and you just get like a negative mood for standard right so i don't know how to fix that but i just play pioneer that's how i fix it uh, i'm, I'm not gonna it. lie to you i've been playing a little <laughs> bit more pioneer than i have standard and i i love i it takes a lot for me not to play a standard format and i can tell you that i've been just playing more pioneer I've been playing standard. I, I, I wanted to play the adventure cards because we got the new bordered, <laughs> the new borders on the cards. I'm like, oh, this feels like a fairy tale set. And then everything becomes an elk. <laughs> For me, it's just I'm tired of getting blown up by Veil of Summer. So <laughs> play, play, play. Uh, what, what is the counter to Veil of Summer? Like Ka- Kaya, but I have to have it. So I, I've been playing one in the main deck, one in the sideboard. Six mana Kaya, of course. 
<laughs> just play Teferi. I don't know. Why. Yeah. Teferi, you, your favorite card is a natural counter to oh, counter yeah. spells. Yeah, but then, see, I play Grixis. Play Fires. Narset Teferi, so then therefore they can't cycle. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, think about what you have to, the hoops you have to jump through to make that card not be good. <laughs> that's basically your deck, right? I don't know what you're complaining about. Narset Teferi, that's like every Crim Standard deck, right? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm playing Grixis Adventures. I like that. You're doing it wrong. You don't have green in your deck. <laughs> I mean, that is true. Like, I like at this point, I've understood that playing any non-green deck is almost like purposely trying to lose the game. It's like throwing the game. <laughs> I do think we'll maybe see a resurgence of like Narset to fairy decks if Oko gets banned, especially if Oko Plus gets banned. I think then you maybe have a chance. Like, how could you play Narset, take it down, just have it die to a, a food token? Like, that's just not very good, but maybe post-banning might be able to do that again. All right. We got a little off topic, but that was all our fish mail this week. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And that brings us to the end of episode 250 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cribb, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. We will be back next week. The band list will be up by the time that we podcast. We'll talk about whatever changes happen and anything else that happens in the world of magic this week. So, until then, this is the crew signing out. Bye.